listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is the Pain Pod. You want to see pain? Look at these. Welcome to the Pain Pod, the podcast for all things pain management. Hosted by the pain guy, Dr. Mark Grofoli. We'll be collaborating with numerous pain management experts, talking about substance usage disorders, the latest treatment modalities, and most important, important. focusing on the pain of our patients as leading providers of pain care. And now, here's our host, a man wanted in all 50 states, a suburban city-like mountain man, without the beard, from the hills of West Virginia, and certified in weapons of mass destruction response, it's Dr. Mark Garofoli. All right, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Pain Pod Nation to the Pain Pod. You're here, but everyone, come one, come all to the Pain Pod. So here today, we are going to have uh, a continuation from our last episode, okay? Uh, we, we had a, a very dynamic conversation going over uh, all things or most things, uh, geriatric care. Of course, uh, defining things is uh, for patients uh, 65 and older. Uh, that, that's just where we draw the line in the sand, not concrete, but sand at least, right? Uh, so here today, we're actually going to go uh, a tad bit deeper into the uh, recent uh, beers criteria or beers list update. Uh, now, as I've come to learn, um, Pain Pod Nation, we've got obviously clinicians, we have pharmacists, we have prescribers, dispensers, we also have patients. So if you think about it, uh, you know, one of the golden rules of having a microphone is uh, know your audience, right? Uh, so it's going to be a little tricky here going over things in clinical terms and uh, lay public terms as well. But pain guy, I'm up for the task. We're going to go at it. All right, folks. So regardless of uh, what seat you have when you're listening right now, this, this episode is going to be for you. Because if you think about it, you're either 65 years old or older or aiming to be, right? I mean, who doesn't want to be eventually, right? So this this episode here of the Pain Pod is literally for everybody, all right? Time will tell. Now, our population, of course, overall uh, is aging and has been for decades, if not centuries, right? Uh, we all aim, uh, uh, you know, to, to be here as long as possible, right? Uh, so... There, uh, there's also, uh, you know, a hope. I don't know if it's a goal of mine, but a hope is to be a, a centenarian. Uh, commonly confused with centurion, but a centenarian is someone who has lived to be a century old, if not more. And the number of uh, centenarians is growing over the last couple decades or so. Uh, but again, don't confuse it with those Roman soldiers called centurions. Uh, they often depict that when talking to folks uh, with slides and whatnot, too. But anyways, we, we are aging. And along the way, we're all different, right? It didn't take the last couple contentious years for us to realize this, but there's generational differences amongst us all. Uh, and some of us are even right on the, the borderline of one generation to the next. So it's like, you know, how do we identify? Good golly. Um, but yeah, we're, you know, we're all different. Uh, before even go, jumping into medications uh, for uh, our elderly population, let's just realize that, you know, there's different generations out there, of course. 
uh, things uh, and you know the dates are always debatable it's give or take a little bit but uh the gi or silent uh, generation that's when folks were born from 1900 that's been a while to 1945 um general uh coaching or ideas there was no news is good news all right keep it low uh then we have baby boomers uh generally speaking born from 1946 to 1964 just inverted there uh conversations and coaching would be once a year whether it's needed or not just hit me with it at least once a year right um then you have generation x uh typically skeptical uh, not val valuing loyalty uh born from 65 to 80 uh really in conversations and coaching gonna reject micromanaging might ask like hey how am i doing along the way right literally in that tone in the buckets right then we have millennials sometimes referred to as generation y uh it's born from 81 to 95 give or take uh typically uh respectful and confident personalities uh conversations being engaging and wanting immediate feedback oftentimes even wanting feedback to be labeled as feedback but that's a whole another conversation right then we have generation z born from 96 to 2011 give or take uh, very empowering and in value collaboration and now we have Generation Alpha, born from 2012 to the present. Got some inspiring personalities, but uh, again, we're dealing with folks that are, you know, just around a decade or so or less. So it's you know, hard to nail that down uh, as far as a whole generation just yet. Um, but that that's, you know, lots of differences among the generations. So keep that in mind. Not, you know, I'm not going philosophical here, uh, but in the biopsychosocial approach to pain management, or anything healthcare, there's more than the medications, right? So on the social side, there's generational differences. Now on that bile side, that's where uh, typical us healthcare professionals really kick in, right? Turns out our bodies change, all right? No one, to my knowledge, no one has found the fountain of youth. And even if we did, we probably wouldn't have enough liquid in it, right? Good golly. How much would it cost? Oh, boy. Uh, but anyways, our, our bodies change throughout our, our existence. Uh, typically, as we age, things slow down or get smaller, generally speaking. Uh, you know, the cardio side or the heart wall is going to thicken because it's a muscle. It's been pumping for decades, hopefully. Right. So it's it, it's actually growing as a muscle. But that's not always a good thing. Um, you know, heart rate, systolic blood pressure uh, inversely decrease and increase uh, respectfully. Uh, now, by the lungs, the chest wall is going to thicken, airways widen. You can have decreased palm flow. Um, well, let's go to the top. Our brain shrinks. I mean, not a lot, but it shrinks along with the blood-brain barrier, important for medications, right? Uh, our kidneys shrink. Uh, very importantly, though, our GFR, function of the kidneys, decreases. I'm told uh, usually about an, a measurement of one per year from the age of 50 onward. Good golly, it's all downhill, right? Liver's going to shrink down a little bit too. SIP 450 for drug-drug interactions going to become um, more important along the way because that function decreases. Uh, immune system function decreases. We've heard a lot of that in recent years, right? Uh, as far as the GI tract, you get some changes there um, in the stomach. Gastric emptying frequency decreases, whereas the emptying time duration increases. And overall for our body, we uh, body fat increases. Oh, man. And then body water and muscle ratio decreases along the way, too. So big picture, we got lots of changes. That is the core of when we go over any of the guidelines out there uh, when it comes to pharmacotherapy, medications for our elderly patients.
And of course, via multiple references, yeah, he's got stuff in the show notes here for the pain pod. Uh, but the the idea of any uh, any human only utilizing one medicine compared to five or ten, uh, you know that that's going to change as we age. As we age, there's typically more medications. I don't think you need me to be talking about that, right? It's probably borderline common sense these days. But what do we have in our tool belt? This is for our healthcare professionals out there, Pain Pod Nation. What do we have in our tool belt to help our geriatric patients? Okay. Now, today we're going to touch uh, pretty good on the American Geriatric Society AGS beers criteria or beers list update, but it doesn't end there. Okay. There's others as well. There's STOP, the screen tool for older people's prescriptions. There's START, screen tool to alert to the right treatment. There's FORTA, that's fit for the aged. Uh, there's the MAI, or Medication Appropriate Index. So there's like four right off the top that are in addition to the beers list. And then there's another three that have to do with anticholinergic medications, the old effects of uh, slow it down, dry it up. Uh, but uh, three of those, ADS, ACB, and ARS, in case you want some more alphabet soup here, of course. But here, for this conversation, we're gonna we're going to crack one open, all right? We're going to want to go over the uh, 2023 AGS beers list update with a keen eye, of course, on you guessed it, pain management, right? I mean, come on, it is a pain pod, right? It's not the Jerry pod. Whoa, there a trademark out there, folks. Anyways, uh, pain pod here. We're going to be going over uh, the 2023 AGS beers list update or beers criteria. Now, uh, just historically speaking, really succinctly here, everything started back in 1991, Dr. Mark Beers. Hey, another Dr. Mark uh, got the ball rolling for starting this um, this Beers Criteria update. Uh, it's been updated either every three or every six or every couple of years it gets updated. Now, recently it was updated in 2019 and then 2023. Um, a lot of us were on the edge of our seats in 2022 waiting patiently, of course, uh, for the uh, dozen experts to review the 1600 articles uh, since the last update uh, to get the 2023 update out there. But the overall beers list, yes, not the thing in the beer cave, the beers list here for medications for the elderly uh, is broken down into tables. Now, when I say tables, some of these puppies are rather uh, extenuous here, very uh, many pages. Okay, Uh, but there's 10 of them. Um, The first one gets knocked out right off the bat. It's going over the quality evidence and the strength of the recommendations. So kind of going over the lay of the land, the mapping. But really, the the meat and potatoes of the AGS beers criteria uh, is table two, and that's the PIMS, okay? Potentially inappropriate medications for use in older adults or PIMS, right? You can hear me say PIMS more than pain today. Go figure. All right. Uh, So what do we want to know within table two of the PIMS? Uh, So anticholinergics, even though they have their own three guidances or tools uh, outside of the beers list, uh, they're going to certainly be on the the table too because of, you know, all those body changes we talked about earlier. Anticholinergics are going to slow down and dry it up. It can be an issue. Um, But first-generation antihistamines, and by the way, I, I think folks be remiss not to go over some alternatives i mean it's one thing to say hey don't use this like then what do i do with my hands right so obviously if you can't use first generation check out the second generation antihistamines um a lot readily available as otc over the counter uh so these are things that can be purchased not only in pharmacies but gas stations dollar stores you name it right grocery stores uh but then also things like anti-parkinson's agents uh, anti-spasmodics 
um, um, even dipyramidal, uh, in case anybody's out there utilizing that, uh, the IR or the, the oral short acting basically, uh, is non preferred, whereas the extended release is preferred. Uh, Desmopressin makes an appearance. Uh, nitrofurantoin. So here's an antibiotic folks might be commonly utilizing for, say, a UTI, urinary tract infection. Uh, but if somebody's uh, utilizing that in 65 or older, it's one of those like stop moments of like, hey, let's reflect. Is there a better option uh, to avoid any of the toxicity from that medication for our elderly patients? Uh, basically going by you know uh, other options for antibiotics. Uh, look at what's working in the regional area, local um, antibiograms and resistance patterns, so on and so forth. Uh, but also on that table too, here is a bigger one, not really in pain management, but hey, we're all human, right? Uh, primary prevention aspirin, good old aspirin 81, right? No longer recommended. Uh, that's actually from uh, literature and studies that are well beyond the Beer's criteria. Uh, but uh, secondary uh, prevention, uh, so already had an issue, uh, cardio wise, uh, that's still generally indicated along the way. Um, other PIMS table two, uh, you got your peripheral alpha one blockers for hypertension, uh, cell, central alpha agonists, hypertension, uh, amiodarone, of course, uh, heart along the way, uh, drone to uh, digoxin. That's one that's been on there. I think since 30 years ago in the first, uh, beers criteria, basically limiting it to 125 micrograms um you know daily don't want to go above that uh nifedipine uh the immediate release is on the list to recommend to avoid um but you got a, a other options that are out there for hypertension or heart failure along the way uh speaking of the old cardio world there's um your doax and your warfarin epic battle okay uh so lots of folks needing some blood thinning action you know uh, along the way uh, i encourage folks to dive a little bit deeper if you'd like into that but it's a little bit outside of the pain realm right <laughs> So we'll go to you know what matters for us here. Um, there's a DHE. Uh, there's just a lack of efficacy for elderly patients, or in general, I guess. So when you're thinking things like migraine, even uh, now we have our CGRPs. I think maybe we'll do what a pain pot episode on migraines someday, right? Oh boy, that sounds painful, right? But as far as the beer's criteria, uh, the PIMS table two, uh, antidepressants really come up. So uh, tricyclics, TCAs, all of them except low-dose doxepin, uh, so six milligrams or less. Uh, and as far as SSRIs, paroxetine makes an appearance on the list. So those are things we want to avoid overall. Now it's at this moment in time you start thinking, okay, so so far TCAs are on the list, SSRIs are on the list. We're starting to chip away here at those things that could be utilized for pain management, okay? Uh, barbiturates pop on the list as well, meprobamate, all benzos. Ooh, doggy. All benzos. Okay. Previous versions of the beers criteria had the long acting and even the intermediate acting ones. Now they're just saying all benzos. Okay. Like they didn't have a, a, a baggage with them to begin with, you know, the old opioid benzo interactions. Uh, but now it's just saying, hey, if you're 65 or older, shouldn't be utilizing a benzo. Any of them. Um, and then we look at the reality of the world and we say, oh, where do we begin, right? Uh, Z-hypnotics, we're going to put them right together as well. Sleep medications, of course. Uh, more to come when we go over some interactions along the way too. But um, one thing that pops up on the PIMS list too, uh, outside the realm of pain, but uh, desiccated thyroid, we don't see that a lot anymore. But um, it, there's still utilization out there across the country. So uh, the alternative there would be levothyroxine. 
A quick conversion um, for the desiccated armothyroid, one grain or 60 milligrams is generally equivalent to 100 micrograms of levothyroxine. So there's a little pearl for us along the way. Okay. Uh, then uh, let's see, there's the list just goes on and on. And when it comes to table two, but uh, one thing that another one that stands out is sliding scale insulin. Uh, I, I guess a way to remember this would be, uh, you know, maybe elderly patients have to be more careful than, you know, our, our adolescents out there on amusement park slides. Um, uh, hopefully everybody enjoys their summers with amusement park rides and big slides and all that. Uh, but accidents can happen, right? Uh, so sliding scale insulin is not uh, recommended according to the beers list, beers criteria uh, for our elderly patients. Uh, along with in the, the diabetes realm, sulfas all of them now it used to be specific ones but now we you know whether you're talking about glyburide glimipuride whatever all of them i'm saying no go along with ppis proton pump inhibitors that's a no-go now according to the beers criteria okay want to use um uh, h2 uh h2ras basically or antacids gotta watch the uh, uh calcium intake too though um and when it comes to h2ras uh, not all of them are available anymore We've had our issues with uh, renitidine along the way for availability too, but we got to keep that in mind, right? All right, now in the pain realm, let's jump into the pain, the big time pain realm for table two. We already covered the TCAs and paroxetine. Uh, meperidine, always been on the list. It always gets picked on, rightfully so, right? But then muscle relaxants that are spasmodics, so pretty much all of them on the island of misfit medications, with the exception of baclofen and tizandine which are typically uh, for a diagnosis of uh, spasticity or stiffness, one way of putting it. Uh, but all of those, you know, put the check, put the X on uh, muscle relaxants there too then. And then um, basically, I'm going to take the, I, I'm going to go on a limb here to say it's basically um, all NSAIDs are recommended to be avoided except for celecoxib. Uh, they go through in the beers criteria longer list and all that, but th the general idea is all of them except celecoxib, which is available in formulations of um, you know oral capsules, but then also liquid. Um, and and you know again though that's another big X in the toolbox for pain management uh, along the way. Now there's a lot of discussion in the beers criteria about uh, COX one and two selectivity, and you know the information that's out there sometimes it, it's not that it's opposite of each other. Or, or multiple studies, uh, but it, it can be conflicting at times because things are studied in different ways. Uh, there's a, a wonderful uh, study out there from Dr. Chris Herndon and another one from uh, Feldman. Uh, and you look at the numbers when they're looking at uh, Cox selectivity and they don't match because it's different studies, but you know, uh, how do we translate it to the patients in front of us, right? All right, so that's pretty much that for table two, but uh, table three within the beers criteria uh, is uh, basically the PIMS that, uh, you know, those medications we should avoid in the elderly due to whatever uh, medical condition or disease state or syndrome that one has. Uh, so for instance, with heart failure, it's, uh, you know, using caution or even avoiding when it comes to all NSAIDs. Uh, syncope, it's, uh, you know, worrying about TCAs along the way. Uh, if somebody has a history of delirium, dementia, any cognitive impairment, or gosh forbid, even a history of fractures or falls, anything that's affecting the, our minds, our central nervous system is going to be off the table 
as per this guideline. So anti-cholinergics, anti-psychotics, benzos, uh, corticosteroids even, H2RAs. Hey, weren't they the replacement for PPIs and now they're off the list? Oh my gosh. Opioids. Oh yeah. Uh, sedatives, hypnotics, anti-epileptics, TCAs, SSRIs, SNRIs. If somebody has a history of falls or fractures, we're, this uh, guideline is recommending not utilizing opioids, benzos, Z-hypnotics, TCAs, SSRIs, SNRIs, and what do we have left for pain management? We have options, folks, but not many, right? You got to look at the reality of these things. Um, so uh, somebody's got a history of uh, any ulcers. Uh, you got to watch with uh, aspirin NSAIDs, of course, uh, and uh, chronic kidney disease, uh, stages four or five. You're avoiding all NSAIDs, even the celecoxib along the way. All right. So uh, table four uh, is drugs to be used in caution. It's not a recommendation to avoid, but you you know wants to use some caution, okay? Uh, and there we see uh, generic Bactrim. Uh, so again, you know, when you, it, as I mentioned, the nitroferentoin earlier. So we're whittling away what's available for our elderly patients in the infection realm, UTIs. Uh, but also uh, using caution for uh, things uh, like mirtazapine, SNRIs, SSRIs, TCAs, and even tramadol. Got that serotonergic norepinephrine effects. So again, we're whittling away what's available for our patients. Now, table five is where the drug-drug interactions come into play. They got a decent list of them, probably, I think, about 10 or 12 of them. Um, I would like to take the liberty here today to just cover maybe two or three of them, and they're really heavy hitters. So the beers criteria is saying to avoid multiple anticholinergic medications for obvious reasons of, you know, uh, what gets us all, uh, what gets so many people anyway as we age. Uh, you fall, break a hip, go in the hospital, get an infection, and then there's a funeral, right? The, the whole idea here is to avoid that, right? So avoiding multiple anticholinergic medications, even though individually they're on a list to avoid in the first place, uh, avoiding opioids and benzos or opioids and gabapentinoids, banging that drum again, and then avoiding three CNS active medications. So if there's three or more medications affecting your mind, basically, uh, that increases the risk for fractures and falls and goes down that um, and, and that slide that we talked about seconds ago, actually. So those are the three big ones, the, the opioid benzo, opioid GABA, anticholinergics, and then CNS active medications overall. Couple others, not pain management related, but just for sake of conversation though. All right. The sixth table within the Beers criteria uh, is talking about uh, avoidance or reducing the dose based on kidney function for particular medications. Uh, as far as pain management goes on the avoiding side based on kidney function, I got some specifics like baclofen, duloxetine, uh, NSAIDs except celecoxib, uh, tramadol ER, so on and so forth. Now, as far as with reduced kidney function to reduce the dose of a particular medication for our elderly patients, uh, there we see things like gabapentin or even pergabalin or tramadol IR or even colchicine. That's the gist of it there. The thing that I would like to add in though, beyond the beers criteria, what about pain management options in chronic kidney disease or CKD? So you want to avoid codeine, meperidine, morphine, or NSAIDs. Those four right there are big ones, okay? Uh, the rest are either cautionary like TCAs, oxycodone, or tramadol, or preferred for what's left. But in CKD, avoiding codeine, meperidine, morphine, and NSAIDs, okay? That's a little add-on there. Um, now, back to the beers criteria. 
Uh, table seven is um, specifically identifying medications with strong anticholinergic activity. Again, slow it down, dry it up. Nothing new for everybody listening, I'm sure. Just remember that there are the other scales that are available for anticholinergic risk assessment beyond the beers criteria there as well. And then the Bears criteria uh, rounds itself out uh, with the last three tables, tables eight, nine, and 10, with medications and criteria that were either removed, added, or modified since the previous um, AGS Bears criteria update in 2019. So that's just, it, it's stating what was already stated in other tables when you think about it, right? All right, so that's probably the fastest rundown you could ever have of the AGS Bears criteria, particularly honing in on pain management, but... You know, I, I think you've heard it in words and tone along the way. Um, then what, right? So all medications have baggage. Pretend you're in an airport and wondering like all the hoops and barriers and walls you had to go through and scanning you had to go through. And then all of a sudden they just let your bag roll around the baggage claim area. And it's like, anybody watching this stuff? Um, but all medications have baggage, okay? But uh, even the safer relative, quote unquote, alternatives still have baggage, right? So like, what do we do along the way? Uh, it truly is a patient by patient scenario. We got to utilize our clinical judgment. We got to monitor things and document, document, document. Age old things. If it isn't documented, it didn't happen, right? But we've got to, you know, apply these guidelines um, as recommendations, like any other guideline, uh, to to all of our patients. But of, evaluate things on a patient by patient scenario. Uh, you know, like an opioid benzo. It's not like you need this guideline to tell you that that's a, a, a concern, right? To discuss further. If you have a pulse and a healthcare license, you know that an opioid and a benzo are an interaction, right? Not going out on a limb there. Uh, but in the big picture for helping our patients, we always have to remember present self, uh, extremely included, biopsychosocial model of everything, but we'll say pain management, okay? The biological side, we all the medication information we just went over. Psychological side, what is the human being experiencing? And then the social side, so the environment, the what else is going on with interactions beyond drug, drug, human interactions, right? All of that makes us who we are and all that has to be taken into account uh, when addressing uh, patient care and pay management for our elderly patients. Now, a couple um, resources want to uh, provide for folks. Uh, of course, there's the American Geriatric Society or AGS. You go to their website. You will see immediately the beers criteria come up, of course. Uh, there's also uh, there's an app that's um, uh, tied to AGS, of course, but geriatricscareonline.org. You can see the app there. There is a cost associated with that. It's like streaming services these days. Everybody likes a, a continual uh, fee not just one time. Uh, there's also the Silver Book. Uh, that's another online resource and a good number of books that are out there. Folks want to read deeper, but certainly probably want to start just with the AGS Beers criteria. So we'll have all that information available for you here in the show notes. It's also available, of course, at painguy.us. Uh, my, my website uh, under resources, that'll be there for you. But here's before, before we tap out, folks, one more thing, okay? That's all the resources. What about paperwork relevant to the elderly and relative to you, me, and even youngins, right? There we're talking about what getting our ducks in a row. Okay, great time for all of us to, uh, to assess, hey, do we have these things? And here I'm talking about living wills, power of attorney, durable power of attorney, durable power of attorney for healthcare decisions, and even DNR orders. Those um, almost half a dozen items there uh, really, really need to be um, set 
and existent for all of us. We don't just want this for our elderly patients as a recommendation, but for all of us. And many healthcare systems will actually ask for these things to then have them uh, incorporated into the electronic healthcare record. So just a, you know, a shout out to all of us to get our ducks in a row, whether you have an attorney do it in person or you do the things online and then get them um, uh, endorsed by a notary public locally. Either way, right? It's just getting all of our ducks in a row. Because again, in the big picture, we are either 65 or older and geriatric elderly, or we want to be, right? But along the way, we want to have all of our ducks in a row, get our paperwork set, and we want to be able to help all of our patients who are getting to a point in their life where, hey, retirement's a thing, hopefully, and you know, being able to enjoy life more. And if there's one or two or four medications that are inhibiting that, that could be addressed with some deep prescribing, or as we talked about in the last pain pot episode, um, or just with, you know, with some uh, strategic utilization of medications for our elderly po uh, population. That's a big time thing. One last thought. Hey, if something is recommended to be avoided for an elderly person, should we put that into play? Maybe one for 20 year olds, 30 year olds, 50 year olds along the way too. I mean, if it's inevitable, right? Things to keep in mind along the way. I say that uh, not not to go too, too far, but just to say, uh, you know, we already know these things. As healthcare professionals, we're trained with this information as pharmacists or medication experts. Um, we know about the side effects and the mechanisms. This is just framing it within the beer's criteria for our elderly patients. Okay. All right, folks, I hope this has been uh, uh, wonderful for everyone. It's a, a very succinct review, uh, primarily of the, uh, you know, cheers, uh, review of the uh, AGS beers criteria, the beers list. Um, I hope that this can help you and your patients, um, family, friends, and communities immediately today. Uh, and I thank you all for uh, coming to the pain pod once again. Looking forward to the next episode already. Uh, and, uh, you know, I certainly wish you all a great day every day if you'd like to join mark on the pain pod send us an email to publisher at pharmacypodcast.com and make sure to share the show and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory thanks for listening